0: Welcome to the third episode of UNAM Youth Podcast Series. In conjunction with the United Nations International Days, we expand the conversation on its importance of the day and the relevance to our status quo through our podcast series, starting a conversation that matters. My name is Megan CJY. As of recently, Head of Delegation to OHCHR's 20th Session and Malaysia Representative to ASEAN Regional Program on Modern Slavery, Human Trafficking and Forced Labour, and of course, your moderator of the day. Now with us today, our guest, Datuk Lok Kimping, was appointed as a commissioner of SUHAKAM in 2016 of June for the term 2016 to 2019. She was then reappointed in 2019 for another three years till 2022. She is SUHAKAM's representative to the Council for Anti-Trafficking in Persons and was elected executive board member of the Education International headquartered in Belgium at EI's 4th World Congress held in July 2004 in Porto Alegre, Brazil. She has played a prominent role in holding frequent dialogues with teacher leaders in ASEAN region to discuss common goals and problems. Today, she will share with us her expertise and experience working at SUHAKAM, Malaysia's statutory body established by Parliament under the Human Rights Commission of Malaysia Act 1999 on the issues of trafficking in persons in Malaysia, trafficking cruelty, when will it end? Good afternoon, Dr. Lok. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good afternoon. So let us begin first with talking about trafficking in person as a deeply rooted problem, the practice of recruitment, transportation, and the aim of exploiting them for profit, which has gone throughout the centuries where it finally became a political issue in the early 19,000s. So starting off, and for the purposes of our audience listening, Datuk Lok, what would be the definition of trafficking in persons, and some of the instances in your experience working first-hand on the issues?
1: First of all, I would like to congratulate uh, Yunam Yuk for organising this very special podcast uh, series in conjunction with the world. Uh, World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. Uh, As we know that uh, trafficking in persons, the definition is that human trafficking is the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harbouring or receipt of people through force, fraud or deception uh, with the aim of exploiting them for profit. Men, women and children of all ages and from all the backgrounds can become victims of this crime, uh, which occurs in every region of the world. And the traffickers often use violence or fraudulent employment agencies and fake promises of education and job opportunity to trick trick and to uh, cause their victims. With the aim of exploiting them, it is a serious crime serious crime, and a violation of human rights as it deprives the victim of trafficking from the following fundamental human rights. The right to life, liberty, and security of person, the right to not to be held in slavery or servitude, the right to not to be subjected to torture or to cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatments or punishment, the right to freedom of movement and residence, the right to marriage and to found a family, the right to freedom of opinion and expression, the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of himself and of his family. The right to education. So as for Suhakam, I like to share. What we have done, so I've come together with the 45 right, had published an investigative report into the incidents of Wang Kliang, Mass grave, title soul like fish. This is a very emotional record. Uh, I mean, report. The report shared uh, how a trafficker syndicates deceived Rohingya refugees to board ships bomb for Thailand and Malaysia and then abuse them. Traffickers pulse hundreds and thousands of Rohingya refugees into repurposed fishing buses and deprived them of adequate food, water and space, committing torture and in some cases rape at sea. Traffickers murdered and many died by Suicide at sea. The report documents shared, once on shore, members of the syndicates held victims in conditions of enslavement in remote camps along the Malaysia-Thailand border, including in Wang Kliang, demanding upwards of US $2,000 or Malaysia Ringgit 6,800 for their release. Traffickers denying their captives access to adequate food, water, and space, resulting in death, illness, and injury, including parasites, particularly of those unable to pay money. Traffickers from Myanmar, Thailand, and Malaysia torture Rohingyas, captives with pipes, beds, clubs, bells, wires, thesis, nails, tricks, and intimidation and other means.
0: Thank you, Dato' Lok. So, as you stated, there are separate trafficking and persons issues, right? With victims of trafficking that still share a common denominator where the ordeal actually starts with migration in search of economic alternatives, such as the case study that you've provided us with Myanmar. And of course, the theme of migration is heard in reporting on trafficking in persons. And servitude can also come without the movement of a persons. I would then proceed to ask, what would then be the categorization of trafficking in persons? And how has Malaysia progressed on its legislation, administration and enforcement of the issue?
1: Uh, let us look at the forced labor first. Huh? Uh, forced labour can be understood as work that is performed voluntarily and under the menace of any penalty. It refers to situations in which persons are cowards to work through the use of violence or intimidation or by more subtle means such as manipulated debts, retention of identity papers or threats of Denunciations to immigration authorities. The victims of this type of trafficking are usually men. As in 2018, I think trafficking for forced labour was the most detected form of trafficking in Eastern Europe and also Central Asia uh, where it is mostly involved adults. While in South Asia both Adults and children were detected. Meanwhile, in sub-Saharan Saharan Africa, where it was by far the most commonly identified types of trafficking, the victims were mostly children. Most often found in industry with a lot of workers and little regulation. This include agriculture and fishing, domestic worker, domestic work and of course i'm mentioning dom- domestic workers lah. construction sector mining sector manufacturing sector especially processing and packaging and of course market trading and illegal uh, activities and as we know that um the risk factor of these victims first we can see that the workers in the we do vulnerabilities such as being an undocumented migrant or lagging opportunities for income generation, structural dynamics connected with the working environment itself, such as being low-paid or underpaid, and some don't even receive their salaries, especially during this pandemic time, labour-intensive, short-term, and dangerous, lack of due diligence, intermediation, subcontracting, and involvement of legal companies as this is the situation as i i define forced labor where else in sexual exploitation actual or attempted abuse of a position of vulnerability power or trust for sexual purposes including but not limited to profiting monetary socially or politically from the sexual exploitation of another. Trafficking for sexual exploitation was the most common form of trafficking detected in Western and Southern Europe, Central and Southeastern Europe, as well as in East Asia and the Pacific and all regions of the Americas. Most of the detected victims of trafficking for sexual exploitation are females while the sex and age profiles of detected victims who are trafficked trafficked for forced laborers are more diverse. So the risk risk factors of the victim, number one, moving up or escaping poverty. And most of these people, it is not that they want to get themselves involved with all this, but sometimes their environment and their living condition forcing them, especially the issue of poverty, it is very, very sad when we see things like that is happening. And of course, romantic relationship between victims and traffickers, no alternative but to obey orders. If you don't obey, you'll be tortured. Familiar relationship with traffickers, structural determinants of vulnerability, Poverty, migration, and uh, gender-based violence. This is some of the situation. Trauma, mental illness, and disability. So I look at sexual exploitation, that is how I I categorize it. Of course, modern slavery will be uh, quite a more complex thing now. Modern slavery is the severe exploitation of other people personal or commercial gain. Modern slavery is is all around us, but often just out of sight. People can become entrapped, making our clothes, serving our food, picking our crops, working in factories or working in houses as cooks, cleaners or nannies. From the outside, it can look like a normal job, but people are being controlled. They can face violence or threats, be forced into inescapable deaths or have had their passport taken away and are being threatened with deportation. Many have fallen into this oppressive trap simply because they were trying to escape poverty or insecurity, improve their lives and support their families. That was, as I have mentioned, the uh, main issue also because of uh because of poverty. Okay. Modern slavery takes many forms. The most common are human trafficking, the use of violence, threats, or coercion to transport, recruit, or harbor people in order to exploit them for purposes such as forced prostitution, labor, criminal. Mm-hmm. Criminality, marriage, or organ removal. As we know, that uh, you don't be surprised that there are cases happening in Malaysia, especially organ removal. Previously, we tried to find out whether there are cases not happening in Malaysia. I don't deny, I, I, I should say that I'm sure there are cases that are happening here also. So, number two is forced labor. Any work or services people are forced to do against their Will under threat all punishment? That no? bondage or bonded labour, and I should say that that bondage or or bond uh, labour is something that's very common. Very common. We we interview quite a number of uh, these migrant workers. We realize that most only came in. Definitely, they are they are being caught by these debts. No debt bondage. I think it is sad to hear about. Things like this, you know. The world's the the most widespread form of slavery, la. people trapped in poverty, borrowed money and are forced to work to pay off the debts, losing control over both their employment conditions and the debts. And of course, decent-based slavery, yeah. most traditional form where people are treated as property and their slave status was passed down uh, the maternal maternal line, so that was number four. Uh. So actually, under modern slavery, there are many uh, there are many kinds of form. Uh, many forms form as I mentioned this now. Form number one is human trafficking, forced labor, debt bondage, decent based slavery. The next one, number five, is slavery of children, and this is something that uh, our concern. Uh, yeah, uh, especially is happening in, in certain in rural, uh, urban, uh, rural areas, but urban areas sometimes we, we it's not so very obvious. Uh, when the child is exploited for someone else's gay, this can include child trafficking, child soldiers, child marriage, and child domestic slavery. Yeah, and number six, force and early marriage, and this is another issue where. So Kam has also brought up? Uh, I was it is it is. Uh, quite a challenging issue for us to take up, but we will continue working out uh, regarding this issue. Uh. When someone is married against their will and cannot leave, most child marriage can be considered slavery. And we also have found cases, especially the Rohingyas, they try to come to our country and they are being, being forced to marry uh, at a very young age. So I think that is the situation. But else under this modern slavery here, uh, there is something that uh, needs to be also clear and defined, clearly defined, uh, other than forced labor, because under human trafficking, we have a very particular terms that we need to understand. That is regarding labor trafficking, because forced forced labor and labor trafficking is a different, slightly a bit different because we use the term cohesion here. So I think that's all i like to respond to this question.
0: Thank you so much, Datuk. I really found it interesting on the comment that you had with regards to forced labour and its link to our main source of GDP being palm oil or rubber and how the Rohingyas has been a part of this entire situation, especially since this was prominently clarified in 2015 when the Malaysian police discovered mass graves yeah. where abandoned camps used by human traffickers on the border with Thailand and Rohingya Muslims fleeing, Malik, um, fleeing Myanmar have been held. Now moving on to protecting their fundamental rights and preventing trafficking in persons, would you mind commenting how has international and domestic region progressed on its legislation, administration, and enforcement on the issue?
1: Uh, First of all is the international law. Why uh, we need to look at the international because at the international level, Mm -hmm. the international uh, protections against trafficking are found in the United Nations Convention Against Transnational Organized Crime 2000. And this is a very important convention. The convention represents a major step forward in the fight against transnational organized crime and signifies the recogn- recognitions by member state of the seriousness of the problem posed by it, uh, as well as the need to foster and enhance close international cooperation in order to tackle those problems. So now sometimes situations like this, even though we have the international law, but in between the country, the look, uh, like in Malaysia, we have our own law. Uh, the, of course, the home country will have their own laws when you have supply and demand, when the home country have their own laws, sometimes, uh, I mean, you need the kind of collaboration there. If there's no uh, cooperations within the countries, then it will be a problem. If there's a push factor saying that, oh, this is not our problem, it's your problem, at the end of the day, you have the international law. So so I would question how effective it is if uh, we have an international law, People are thinking more on their own laws in their home country. But in a situation like this, that definitely is not easy to, to, uh, to handle or to tackle all these problems. Huh? But states that ratified this instrument commit themselves to taking a series of measures, lah, series of measures against uh, transnational organized crime. And I have do have experience, uh, attended a seminar where there are also uh, the, I mean the, the, the police of the different countries, you know, the you know, enforcement officers, you know, try to share information, see how can they uh, how can they strengthen their enforcement uh, in order to mitigate uh, the trafficking problems, you know, human trafficking problems uh, in the in the in the region. It is a, a, a problem that you cannot solve overnight because we can see that there are too many the grids there. People think that uh, this is something that very profitable, a profitable uh, profitable business that attracts people. That's why, as I can see that, uh, from here, I just like to say that, uh, of course, the states uh, have certain measures, uh, so especially states that ratified this instrument Commit themselves to taking a series of measures against transnational organized crime. Uh, example, uh, like they are t- including the creation of domestic criminal offenses, and examples like participation in an organized criminal groups, money laundering, corruption, and obstruction of justice. These are some other examples. So these are all the criminal offenses. The adoption of a new and sw- uh, sw- uh, sweeping frameworks for extradition mutual legal assistance, and law enforcement cooperation, and the promotion of training and technical assistance for building or upgrading the necessary capacity of national authorities. So the convention is further supplemented by three protocols which target specific areas and manifestations of organized crime, as below, so before I talk about the protocol, I still need to repeat the same thing again. La. You can have all this, we have, the, we have all the stringent rules, but the most important then is the individual officer responsible. They must have very, they must be really committed and have the patience to make sure that all this, all these uh, I should say the perpetrators should be penalized. Uh, I think it is very important uh, that we need to punish them. Uh? Uh, we need to protect the, 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 the victims. So, uh, one of the protocol is uh, the, the protocol to prevent, suppress, and punish trafficking in persons, especially women and children. Because you can see that, um, based on my own experience, based on the statistics, especially trafficking in persons. Uh, uh, Mostly involve uh, women and also the other small group of children, and most of these women are being forced into prostitution, where they suffer. and I, I do not want to share more details, but this is a situation. I mean, we need to protect them, the rights of these women. Why they are being victimized like that? Are they because they are all the weaker group? Then why they are being abused like that? I don't think this is right for them. So, I think this protocol will be able to prevent. And we need to punish uh, the traffickers. The protocol against the smuggling of migrants by land, Sea, and air. And another protocol uh, is the protocol against the illicit manufacturing of and trafficking in firearms, their parts and components and ammunitions. And of course, I can see that I just want to jump a bit about the smuggling of migrants by land, sea, and air. Especially sea, we have also received some complaints regarding sea because some, you know, they become uh, uh, illegally, they work in the ship or in the sea, they are not paid salary. Sometimes they're just left like that and being tortured if they don't do their work. It's, It's very, it's so serious sometimes that because they can't even contact because they are totally disconnected, they are in the sea, middle of the sea. How they want to shout for help also, who is going to help them? So these are some of the examples. Huh? Um, and then the protocol is intended to ensure that traffic persons are not treated as criminals but as victims and therefore entitled to specific human rights protection. This include temporary residence status and temporary shelter medical and psychological services, access to justice as well as compensation or restitutions. So, as we know that in support of enforcing this instrument, the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime established the United Nations Global Initiative to Fight Human Trafficking in 2007 and this was established as part of the United Convention against transnational organized crime not within the human rights uh, system but some are harder when we talk about human rights uh, I mean we talk about human trafficking we still some are other not even not within that system but we still think that this convention is very important for us to mitigate this problem. eh? So uh, other than that, we can see the treaties and other instruments that are particularly relevant to trafficking. One is Protocol to Prevent, Suppress, and Punish Traffickers in Persons, especially women and children, as I mentioned just now. Supplementing the United Nations Convention Against Transnational Organized Crime 2000, that is the trafficking protocol. Then Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, Convention on the Rights of the Child, an op, uh, optional protocol to the Convention on the Rights of the Child on the seals of, uh, seal of children, child prostitution and child pornography. And I think this, this one, I think Malaysia I sh- should give us more specific attention. Why I say that? Because now there is a concern. Because uh, children are not going back to schools they will not be able to have the face-to-face, uh, face-to-face lesson. They are more, Most of the time, they will be accessing to internet. See, when they are exposed, young age like them, they're so innocent people. When they are exposed to internet, they're exposed to different kinds of information. And this information are not futile. How can we control them? So if the parents are able to control and guide them all the, all the way, I think there will not be any problem. If the children are not be guided, I'm quite afraid of many things can happen. You know, they wrongly go into all these different kind of website. Then you can see that the child pornography, things like this, cases like this may happen. So I think some other, we have to give very special attention. I'm also still monitoring. I want to see that how are the cases in the situation now since February 2020 until now, 2021. We are monitoring also see how the situations this is one of the our concerns also because um, these children are all very young i should say they are very naive we have to guide them and educate them so that they are aware of their rights they will able to protect themselves that is very important so another one is United Nations Convention Against Transnational Organised Crime, as I mentioned just now. International Convention on the Protection of the Rights of All Migrant Workers and Members of Their Families. International Covenants on Silver and Political Rights. So part of it in these articles there, they have related articles uh, that protect the rights of, um, of the people. the uh. International Covenant on Economy, Social and Cultural Rights. Then we have Council of Europe Convention on Action Against Trafficking eh, in Human Beings, and that is for European Trafficking Convention. Then we have the Charter of Fundamental Rights in the Euro- European Union, eh? and also we have the South Asian, ASEAN, eh? Asian uh, Association for Regional Cooperation Convention on Preventing and Combating. Uh, trafficking in women uh, women and children for prostitution. So these are some of the conventions and these are the treaties and instruments that are important and very relevant to, to, to go against, uh, uh, to, to combat uh, human trafficking here. Of course, the another one is the enforcement of international law in the domestic uh, solution. Uh. So we look at the enforcement of international law in regards to human trafficking, is most effective and efficient when it is incorporated into regional and domestic legislation. In Malaysia, we have anti-trafficking in persons and anti-smuggling of migrants, Act 2007. And this act established, under this act, we establish a council. uh, That council is known as MAPO. MAPO is anti-trafficking in person and anti-smuggling of migrants. And the representatives uh, this, under this MAPO, MAPO council, uh, they, they also have uh, from representatives are from various ministries. And also, of course, come sit there as an independent uh, organization they observe and give comments and also give recommendations. And beside that, there are also civil societies or NGOs there participating in this uh, council. Uh. And for swahakam as I mentioned just now, we share things there. So uh, the government has set a new five years national action plan on anti-trafficking in persons 2021-2025. to 2025, uh. So if you all want to know more information regarding what's the role of MAPO, you want to know what are the coming future five years, what what are the action plans uh, by Mapo, I think maybe you can try to access to this uh, document. This will be a very useful document where they are outlined for pillars, nine strategies, and of course with some of the objective and activities la, to I mean to challenge com, uh, especially to uh, combating trafficking in persons to challenge those perpetrators. La, and of course, under these strategic goals, uh, we mainly focus on four four P's. We use the word under this National Action Plan uh, on Anti-Trafficking uh, in Persons. They are very important four P's. We always use the word four P. Number one is prosecution. Number two is protection. Three, prevention. Third is partnership. So these are the four important, uh, alphabet, uh, four uh, key words here. Uh under this National Action Plan on Anti-Trafficking in Persons. And I just take this opportunity also to share that, uh, of course, in the process of that, uh, the Ministry of Human Resources also review plan for the... Uh, I mean, they have reviewed the Employment Act 1955, while in the process of reviewing the Act. But of course, there are issues like some technical issues, uh, the, the extended imitation to ILO. Mm-hmm. Uh, so especially I wrote that base in Malaysia to, to help them provide them technical support and assistance to develop the national uh, they the, come up with a document known as National Action Plan on Forced Labour and the National Action Plan on Child Labour but well, these two documents I think until now I have not heard anything but I think we have I, I have been participating in all this small group discussion regarding these two documents and at the same time uh one one thing that uh, i can see that uh in fact uh, recently uh 2021 february minister of human resources or Resource had approved through parliament uh, employee employees minimum standards of housing accommodation and, amenity, uh, and amenities act and this act one part of the act the articles also to make sure and to ensure that the employers will provide the minimum standard of, of, of accommodation for uh, for the workers so that they will not be placed under forced labor. Because we do not want to see there some. No, I have visited some of the plantations, some of the uh, uh, I mean some of the places, we realize that they need to improve on it, lah. You know, not, not simply just say improve only. They have to back up within and make sure that they pro- provide conducive uh, uh accommodation for, for the workers that is very important eh? so i think uh, i think i stop here lah for for this particular question
0: thank you um tattoo um, i think what was really interesting was what you've commented on how we have rectified the international framework into the domestic legislation and in line with that question, and of course, regarding the current status quo, where COVID-19 has most definitely exasperated the current situation, is there any plans in place to mitigate or alleviate the COVID-19 implication onto Malaysia's trafficking issue? Uh, regarding the the impact
1: of COVID-19 on the trafficking, yeah, yes. so far we can see that the cross-border trafficking, that is one of a very serious concern. The increase in the scale of uh, cross-border trafficking due to traffickers using new rules uh, and new roads and methods of transport. For example, uh, survey and interview respondents in various countries in South America reported increase in the number of Venezuelans trafficked in their countries. Uh, Forced begging increase in some countries, the adults and children trafficked uh, trafficked. Across national borders for forced begging. Uh, that is under the, I mean, I'm talking about cross border, uh, but as in Malaysia, we can see that, of course, uh, they are also happening, but now because of this MCO, uh, they have uh, able to minimize that uh, this illegal cross uh, uh, border trafficking. Na, uh, uh, but some other Uh, Let us look at the uh, domestic trafficking. uh. Uh, Under this this situation, there is an increase in the scale of domestic trafficking in person. Uh, Of course, uh, the situation is, it is not, uh, just now we are talking about uh, cross-border trafficking. But uh, when it comes to domestic trafficking, we realize that uh, once the person lost employment as a result of this pandemic, the inability of many to access to government social service compared with the needs to support larger household after migrant family members return home. And of course, that many are become more vulnerable to trafficking in persons. And of course, once they, some of them, uh, even the permit, uh, their permit, the permit have expired, and then when the employer uh some because of the cost, not willing to renew that document or the permits, then they are just left like that, undocumented. So once undocumented and when they need to, they live to survive, they need means to survive, they need, uh, I mean, because of their livelihood. So, no, they're just, you know, this is where the traffickers take the opportunity to, you know, and they become so venerable. So when, when they are vulnerable, this is the opportunity came and this is how la, these traffickers will take advantage and, and will you know, we'll, we'll try to traffic them from one company to another company or from one plantation to another plantation. Then these things all may be happening. Uh. Another one is trafficking in person also become more localized during the pandemic. Uh. So as I mentioned just now, la, uh, traffickers simply recruiting people in their lo- uh, local areas for exploitative works in factories, construction site, or to be sexually exploited in private apartments, la. And I think we have seen cases, you know, especially the private apartments. I mean, the raid by the uh, by the police, and also and the media also have shared. Especially, I'm quite concerned about uh, the construction site. Where some of them, uh, I mean, they are really suffering there. But we do need that more enforcement will go down to these sites, uh, construction sectors, to 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 check, and also to 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 check them, uh, check the, the the how is the situation there. And of course, there's sex. Uh, I mean, of course, sex, sexuality as exploited. This is another nice scenario. Okay, another one is the increase in this uh, scale of domestic child trafficking also. With children out of schools and needing to support their parents who have lost their livelihoods, children have been more uh, 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 susceptible uh, to recruitment and labor exploitation by traffickers with lower household income and school close. Children are expected to contribute to the Household financially, even if they are below the minimum legal age to work, but of course, um, uh, of course, we 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 we, we uh, there will be a tendency of uh, child trafficking here, because um, uh, when the parents takes the money, they need the financial support. The only ways to do it is through the children. But of course, in situation where I personally know that we uh, like we, visited some of the rural areas, some children, they have no choice. They were definitely, you know, they are not going to school and they have no other ways. So they just go to work. How? Whether they're paid or not, we don't know. They join the family or that will be more on forced labour. But we are quite worried because once they, you know, the, the syndicate knows about these children's whereabouts, they go around you know, no control by the parents there they will just pick them up so another one is online uh child sexual exploitation this is also our worried. we hope that you know i am not going to go in detail but this is my worry uh, especially tra- uh, trafficking uh, for sexual exploitation or cyber grooming or uh, and many other things uh, because these people are uh, this there are uh, now through internet, there are many, many things people can abuse. Huh? So, as so migrant domestic workers, also, many female domestic workers may be subjected to physical and sexual abuse by employers, especially denying payment. Not everybody are the lucky. Uh, I think this is something we, we have received that, uh, especially the, the last year, received. see you employees know, employers are not paying the salary. And confined to their homes or forced to work longer hours and take on additional duties. So, during this, uh, we've been also faced uh, tighter control at the hands of the traffickers. So, this is some of the things we, we see that is experiencing. And the measure implemented to curb the spread of COVID 19, when we say that all have to be staying at home, uh, the movement control, you can't move around. And, Indirectly, the victims of trafficking in person are facing greater barriers in accessing to pro- protection services. So, this is one of the our also concern. So, so how do we uh to me I look at it, how can we mitigate or try to reduce this situation here? Huh? We want to say that if our target is to have zero uh trafficking in persons, but to get into to achieve the zero zero uh, anti-trafficking in person. I think at this situation now I think uh, we I don't think we are able to achieve. but I try to mitigate, mitigate to a very minimal amount. I think I think we should have that kind we should strengthen our effort. We should do something to ensure that uh, we are able to to, to mitigate the, uh, the situation. Uh. First is to strengthen a justice mechanism in trafficking in person cases strengthen protection measures for trafficking victims and vulnerable groups develop effective prevention activities very important why I say the prevention uh, activities you want to prevent it the most important you must must have, you have must make sure the public not any the uh, victims the public all over us have the knowledge have the knowledge no. Know. And a way of what is human trafficking here? What is trafficking? Uh, trafficking in persons. Like I personally had experience when I was in, uh, in New York. At the time I was staying in one of the hotels. and in the hotel I found out that you no, know, they even have lay a uh, put place on the table. You no, know, one particular calendar. In that particular calendar, they have written a very big note there. You no, know, say that anybody. Anybody saying the, anybody who knows about uh, someone being suspected, being uh, victim of trafficking in persons, please contact us through this particular number. I think this kind of awareness is very important. So I think to me, prevention is very, very important. When you go into uh, the other means, remedials, or there is someone is too late already, prevention is very important. So I think more activity should be, I mean, we should carry out more activities regarding this. And then strengthening legal frameworks, strengthening the anti-trafficking response, develop clear official message to the public. As I mentioned just now, it's all related. These are all prevention measures. Implement assisting UN uh, recommendations on data collection. Yes, very important. During the COVID-19 also, we realised that when we meet the groups of people, we realise that data collection, the, the, uh, the data bank, uh, we do not have a centralised data bank to collect all this information. No? So research and evaluations concerning crime prevention and criminal justice response to trafficking in persons very important. We need to do more research work, collect more data, especially the statistics you know, that involve involved. How? It's not only data involved in human trafficking, you need to know the details. How, the, how this detail, the very, very detail, the different kinds of trafficking uh, the people suffer, how, uh, the, how the different types of uh, trafficking la, in persons that, uh, that have been carried out, uh, have been done by these perpetrators. Uh. So at the same time, conduct research to inform mesh, measures to address trafficking in persons during the COVID-19 pandemic. La, as, as I mentioned, uh, conduct research, but... It's not easy, but somehow other we have to do it huh? And of course conduct assessments and monitor response to trafficking in persons during the COVID-19 pandemic. Lah. So the most important thing is so the assessment needs there you know, what are the needs there because during pandemic a lot of uh, there are a lot of things that I think but somehow other now things become very much improved uh, compared to 2020 at, at the beginning of the time. Now at least the uh, some other um, uh, I have improved. So I think that's all uh, that I'd like to respond to you, Megan.
0: Yep. Um, In conclusion then, just to draw a summary for all, we can definitely see in a nutshell the interlinking relations as almost every country in the world is affected by trafficking, whether as a country of origin, transit, or even destination for victims. We have already discussed the international and national measures and legislative fronts to the four-piece paradigm, prosecution, protection, prevention, and partnership to combating human trafficking. Thus, as a concluding question to our topic today, how can we then, as laypersons, move forward and contribute to the fight against trafficking? Okay. We will um, attempt to keep this to five minutes and okay. I look forward I'll to hearing very, you.
1: I'll go very quickly, yeah. So for moving forward, uh, especially for all the NGOs, for the civil society, and also for, I should say, for all, uh, learn how to recognize traffickers. That's very important. Traffickers, recruitment, tactics, and how to how to safely navigate uh, out of a uh, uh, suspicious or uncomfortable situation and how to reach out for help at any time. So these are some of the things that relate to the education. Volunteer and support anti Trafficking efforts in your community, host an awareness-raising event to watch and discuss films about human trafficking and of course, organize a fundraising and donate the proceeds to an anti-trafficking organization. And also, if you are as teacher or as a tutor educator, you may encourage your school to include human trafficking in their extracurricular and Organize training for teachers to identify and report through sus- suspected case of human trafficking or responding to a potential victim. Use your social media. Essentially, social media is very powerful. Platforms to raise awareness about human trafficking. Uh, and of course, become a mentor uh, to a young person or someone in need. Uh, trafficking often ta- target uh, people who are going through a difficult time or who lack strong support system. I believe the support system is very important based on my own observation and research when done. It is the support system that is very important. Huh? So as a mental mental, you can be involved in new and positive experience in that person's life during a formative time. So you have to be well informed, set up a web alert to receive current human trafficking news. Uh, I should say that that's what I like to share. share. Uh, so to, uh, I like to share, and the most important thing is that we need to get together to strengthen our to strengthen our uh, to strengthen our our programs to ensure that more and more people knows about what is uh, trafficking in person, so that we can help more and more people.
0: With that, we conclude this episode of the podcast series on trafficking cruelty, when will it end? Datuk Lok, many thanks for your time and contributions to the podcast series. I believe I say for all that we appreciate the deep research and planning you put in. For more information about our next episode of podcast series and our other exciting events, do follow us on Instagram at una.malaysia and visit our Facebook United Nations Association of Malaysia, UNAM. Join us again next time for more podcasting as we delve into other issues relevant to our status quo. Thank you so much, Datuk Lok.